happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, anywhere else that we might be. Just make up some social uh, platforms for us to join. We'll join them too. <laughs> and as always, uh, we talk judging in MMA. Um, so read the scoring criteria. You still might not need it this show, though. Also, I'm not going to join your social platform. I was that. That's like one of the last things I'm going to do. Yeah, Scott. Well, what's it like being into 2024? I've been here a little longer than you have. Oh, that's true. It's because yeah. of the, the time traveling that you spoke mm-hmm. about, and I still don't really understand. Yeah. Um. It's it's super. It's just super. Good. Yeah. I'm glad you made it. We uh we we we're getting a deck installed right now. So uh they cut a big hole in the back of my house to put the door in. Are you sure it wasn't a Kool-Aid man? Oh yeah. As in, <laughs> oh yeah, I am sure. Also it was it was more it was, you know, rectangular as opposed to oblong or no. circular or whatever, bulbous. Very abstract hole that man makes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of weird looking at a hole in my house and seeing yeah. a door there now. Well, at least the door's where, there. Where once there was none. The door's there now. It's true. It's not finished, but we're getting there. We're mm. getting there. We we can't uh, we can't dawdle too much on this episode, my friend. We've got a lot that we want to try and pack in. And pack. why is that, Dan? This is Scott's episode. This is his baby. <laughs> it's mine? <laughs> this is Scott's episode, his baby. He puts a lot of work into this all year round, so it... it it's only right that we we kind of stay on topic. This is the data show. I I yeah, it is the data show. I I don't look at it as my show. This is our show. Everything's ours. You when when we mess up, you mess up too. Okay. Yeah. Don't right. <laughs> <laughs> we share in each other's successes and failures. Anyway, yes, this is the judging show. We've been doing this now for I guess this is this the fourth one now. We've been doing, have we done this every year? Well, this would be so we did one in twenty twenty. Yeah, I think this is the fourth one. Fourth one, all right. Wow, we've you done this, show. We've done this, this show a long time. We've been doing this a long time. COVID, COVID almost killed it, but it didn't. Yeah, we really did. quickly too. <laughs> like when we had like fifty people that hurt us at all. We had some stepping stones. When I say fifty people, I mean fifty downloads, and probably like a a decent chunk of those was just me on different phones and things, <laughs> and my wife's phone and things. Juice the numbers. I was just juicing the numbers early to make myself feel better. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so we we this is the judging episode, the data episode. Uh, every year we're, uh, you know, I, I we talk about data all the time on this, but this is where I can really crunch the numbers and and present some hopefully interesting things for you guys that uh, reflect what we've been talking about in judging, or maybe some things that we weren't even quite aware of uh, in judging trends and 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 the like. Uh, Dan's always fascinated by what I can come up with. I feel like yeah, I am. I am. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I never even thought of that, but Scott does. And you'd prefer not. You don't like when I share it ahead of time. You just wanna. I do like. I like. I do time. like being part of the audience a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you gotta give me some oohs and ahs. Just make me all feel right. good. Please don't. That's it's inappropriate. <laughs> it's 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 all numbers. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So you know, just a little bit of setup. Essentially, what I've done is. We're going to be focused a lot on the past year, 2023. We will also go back even further, but, you know, I've collected all the round data from all of the UFC fights, the Bellator fights, and the PFL 
regular season American fights. I don't, you know, but you know that the season format all the way through the championship and stuff. So that doesn't include PFL Europe. It does not include uh, PFL's contender series. We don't have Dana White contender series in here either. Um, it's focused purely on kind of the the big three, which is now essentially big two. Uh, but at least last year it was big three North American promotions. Real quick, uh, we have not. We've got 978 scored UFC rounds. 180 from PFL and 368 from Bellator brings us to a annual total of 1,526 rounds. So that's what, you know, anytime we're talking about the 2023 data, unless I specify that it's UFC only, we're talking about this set. I actually do have the Dana White Contender Series numbers. If you need them, let me know. I'm here for you. Well, since um, might as well talk about this, too. We, we found some discrepancies between what Dan is tracking, what I'm tracking. It's not because Dan messed something up. It's because there's potentially some uh, mistakes made by the UFC scorecards that they will share. Not necessarily the the round scores, although that has happened before, but in the names of the judges associated. We were trying to sort this out with another judge who kind of was trying to help us with this for a UFC event in Brazil in November. And we found that Dan had different numbers than I did. And I was like, okay, let's start with someone who's only got a couple rounds. That's where I went to. I went and found this out. And we figured out that there was a discrepancy there. I went back and watched these fights. This is probably too much information. But I went back and watched these fights. And I identified like, okay, that's a judge. That's a judge. That's a judge. I don't recognize them. They're, They're the Brazilian local judges. And so I was like asking people who knows who and then i ended up going on social media and end up finding people and that kind of ruled it out so or it solved the problem so we did find out yes ufc messed up my numbers are right what dan was tracking he was misled he was he was hoodwinked that is not his fault that's the ufc's fault the transcribers so why i bring that up is i don't know that i can verify that or not with the uh the dana white contender series numbers at this point either the dwcs I'm going to go on a limb and say they're probably right. I'm going to go on a limb and say they're definitely wrong. Well, there were 76 Dana White Contender Series rounds. Sorry. We're not talking about those. If you needed them, I had them for you. I was ready to go. (laughs) I do appreciate that. You know what? This year, I'll track it, all right? Track it. I'll try to track Road, too. Road to UFC. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of them. That's a good one to do. And and UFC does send me the... uh, you know, the links to all that stuff, too. So it's like, it's not that I can't get it. They have all that stuff. Um, but anyway, to back back to the point, um, I want to always make sure to give a thanks at the very top before we kind of dive in for all the sources of where we get a lot of this information from. Number one is uh, UFC is still sharing their cards through UFC News and also on their website, as we we're just talking about. And yes, there are discrepancies, but couldn't really do this very effectively without them having made that um, available to everybody a few years back we wouldn't have it's a show without huge. it uh more or less yeah it would be harder i think we could still do it it would just involve a lot more hustling around and i still still do some degree of that i had to do that a little bit with bellator from time to time um but i will say and this is the last time i have to do it really is is thank you to uh who was running the bellator pr account because they especially because i was a squeaky wheel about this for years they did get significantly better at sharing you know, full scores, partial scores, things like that. And uh, and even this year, there were times where I was like, oh, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. And then they shared it, and I was like, okay, you know what? Good on them. So there, there's – it's the team's broken up. Some of them are with PFL now. Some of them have moved on. But 
appreciate all of those uh, who worked on the Bellator PR team. They were they were helpful in getting me my inane uh, requests with the scorecards. PFL also got to thank them. They still share all their scores with the media via their assets link they send out for all the events. However, and this is the but, mm. the reason why we're not including PFL Europe here is because I've had some challenges trying to get a hold of whoever the does the PR over at, Bell, or at PFL in Europe to try and get the links to the assets where they share the scorecard. I can't get that for everything. I got it for some, not for all. One of them I couldn't get from PFL, fortunately. Reached out to the GEMMAF and Clemens Werner, the judge. Uh, he was able to share some of the scorecards from uh, the Germany event with me. That was very helpful. Mm. Uh, but we're still missing some of it, and I don't know if we'll get it. So I just omitted Europe entirely. But I do appreciate it generally all of the promotions for being able to do that. Also got a shout out, major thank you to Mark Ratner of the UFC, the legend in the in the regulatory affairs game, uh, who I tried not to overload this year with my requests for old scorecards, but I was able to get batches here and there throughout the year. And now my data runs all the way back for the UFC from 2023, this just past year, all the way to 2017. We now have seven full years. Save for a couple of missing fights. So basically, when they you know changed the criteria or updated it. Yeah, I'm still trying to work back to the August. I know they more or less the heart, like the real start, I guess, was essentially January, but it had passed in legislation in August. So I'm still trying to work back to that just because. And I understand there was a little bit of a soft kind of move over to it, kind of like we've seen right now in real time where they've softly moved away from certain criteria writing but it can still be in there you know mm. with the uh eights uh, with the eights especially yeah so i understand it was like a little bit of a similar situation for a little while for this version of the criteria that passed in 2016-17 as well i'm still gonna limit it to august 2016 four more months to go and then i'm gonna call it i'm gonna <laughs> say my data chart is filled out at least going backward we'll of course still update forward well of course uh-huh um I got to give a disclaimer here. This uh, this is, of course, a limited look. When we're, when we're talking about 2023 anyway, it's it's still limited, you know? It's just a window. When we talk about the bigger ones, it does give a lot more. But when we're talking about specifically 2023, um, we're only talking about judges who worked UFC, Bellator, PFL events, and again, PFL specifically to North America. Um, you're not going to get a full representation of all the judges in all the world, especially some of the ones who work very frequently but we just don't get because we don't have those scorecards i mean there's all sorts of events all over europe uh the middle east russia uh north america as well of course uh brazil and we just don't have a lot of that the uk uh for goodness sake and uk is is europe too but you know they're almost a little different right a little bit because it's you know mainland and then, the, and then the, you know then the islands the british isles and everything I still, I, I still struggle even knowing who's in the UK. Is it Ireland or is it Northern Ireland? So Ireland is the Republic of Ireland. They are their own independent republic. Mm. Northern Ireland is a part of the United Kingdom or Great Britain. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't there a Brexit or something? <laughs> We're not going to get into that. I are thought, you kidding me? I thought. So. Oh my god. I thought one of them left the UK. So the UK did leave uh, the European Union. Oh okay. They're still. They're still part of the continent known as Europe, though. That that won't change. I gotcha. 
okay. unless they you know float over to North America, maybe maybe we'll adopt them. Okay, it's probably not happening in the next year, so we we can worry about that later. Um, again, I made huge strides in getting out the data, working all the way back to that August 2016 I was talking about. Um, I am missing, I have to say, I found that finally hit some walls when it comes to getting data that may never be recovered. Um, UFC 221 in Australia back in 2018. UFC does not have the round-by-round -round scorecards of that from Australia. Reached out to Australia, did not get a whole lot of help on that, so I'm thinking that door closed for that one. Um, in 2017, I'm missing 11 total fights. By the way, there's 10 fights on that card. So in 2018, we don't have 10 fights. Um, 2017, there's four events total, missing 11 fights among them. Uh, two of those events, by the way, were in separate Western Canadian cities. And in these cities, Winnipeg and, and uh, Edmonton, they run their own commission, more or less. So you have to reach out to them separately. But unfortunately, they didn't share the uh, final. Yeah, only had the final fight tallies as well. No individual rounds. Um, not not going to get those scorecards. It seems either. So uh, not happy with with the the Western Canadian cities there. So they just disappear. Like they just take. Uh, like, oh, oh, this fight's over. I'll throw it in the garbage. I have no idea. I think they probably just didn't record it or didn't share it. So I'm sure it's somewhere. And if, if for all I know, it's still around somewhere or it was around and they purge things and you know you know these things go i guess um, it's not that uh, you, you work for a municipal government you you probably understand sometimes they just gotta get rid of stuff <laughs> no well yeah you work for police so it's a little <laughs> different <laughs> they, gotta, they gotta keep some records right uh but anyway so we don't have those they're missing some from uh the stockholm event 2017 i'm hoping sweden can actually help me with that i did reach out to their federation we'll see and we're missing a few from tennessee i know that that door is closed they don't have it i'd ask tennessee separately they just didn't have records anymore from 2017 and uh ufc just didn't have everything they didn't get enough it is what it is just gonna have to grin and bear it but uh hey only missing 21 fights over the last seven years <sighs> is really pretty good i think it's pretty yeah, good that's not bad mm -hmm. however might as well put it out there if you somehow are listening to this, anyone, and you have those that information that I'm missing, please, I'm begging you, reach out to me. ScottRFontana at gmail.com. I'm not going to give you money, but it would be helpful. Uh, also, of course, my social handles, uh, at Scott underscore Fontana on Twitter and on Instagram as well. I, I do answer DMs on Instagram. I'm not, never, really never I'm not Instagram. super with it. I, I'll do it from time to time, but I'm not great with it really bad at it yeah i just i don't know I, I don't i'll post photos but i don't i just don't go over to instagram and do it it's just too much work. <laughs> mm. that's why i'm not going to join your social channel um, if you're making one it's just not gonna happen i'm lying to you when i said i did <laughs> one more disclaimer before we get into it i'm gonna reference the sex <laughs> we talk about this on the show but for anyone who's tuning in <clears> you know, <throat> less frequently um this is what we call on the show a round in which uh, the judges disagreed on who won. So we talk about contested rounds on the show. A contested round, for the purposes of what we do week to week, is really just any time that there's disagreement. A dissent is actually when we're talking about who won the round or not. We'll talk about 10-9-8 splits or 10-8-7 splits. That's like its own thing as well. But dissents are just the way. Um, so just get used to that term. Being a dissenting judge, of course, it means that you gave the minority assessment of the round. It does not. I repeat, does not mean that the judge was wrong. In fact, we give out a whole award every week when someone we think 
was the out judge and they gave it right, at least in our opinions. But usually you can see it the other way. Of course, you can listen back to last week, the Judgment Day episode, to find out when we couldn't find any argument for a round to be scored in a certain way. So that's for that one. I think that's it, man. I think I covered everything. This is a, is a lot of disclaimer. It's yeah. a lot of setup. I hate doing that, but it is what it is. I think you nailed it. Are you ready to dive in, man? Okay. You want to hear some of this stuff? Let's go. All right. All right. So we usually like to start it off with kind of just the general trends of um, where the numbers have been going, right? So the overall descent rate in the UFC in particular finally dipped again after uh, it was going up and up every year for three years. This year, this past year, 2023, it was 7.12% was the descent rate uh, among all judges, all rounds, UFC, um, which was down from 7.27% a year earlier. It had been 6.71 before that in 21 and 6.67 in 2020. Now, this is where I have to give a mea culpa here. I, uh, I made some tabulation errors with regard to 2020 in the past. Very embarrassing one. I was adding up the rounds that judges had scored and including the ones where they didn't actually score it, and it was a first-round finish. Threw those in there, threw off all the totals, also messed with a little bit of the descents. Um, It didn't drastically change everything for every single judge. Most cases, their descent percentage went up like a little bit, maybe half a percent or something like that. The actual full year percentage went up 0.9% though from 5.77 to 6.67. So it did make a noticeable difference, but it still remains. 2020 was the strongest year in judging mixed martial arts in the UFC in terms of agreement, I should say. And likely because it was the same group working every week. I would say so. Yeah, 2021, it really wasn't that much different in 2021 either. This did start to travel a little bit more, but it was still largely focused in Vegas. And I think, again, same reason. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I, I even traveled in the beginning of 2022. We just didn't 2020 also. We just didn't uh, have as much of that. And it's hard, hard to remember what happened before everything shut down. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was a little embarrassing for me. I should note, though, as much as some of the you know, those top tier, top hard, top working judges, most rounds, that kind of thing. Um, their percentages generally went up a little bit. One judge who actually went down uh, and his uh, percentage improved because I had missed some rounds, I guess. Uh, Junichiro Kamijo. Junichiro Kamijo. Mm-hmm. He actually went down. He, uh, he ended up having a really fantastic, uh, we don't have to give the numbers in, in detail on that one, but just just to know, Junichiro Kamijo is a good judge, man. Mm-hmm. Always uh, generally in agreement, right? So that's my fault. It's a lesson. It is what it is. Hey, that's why they put erasers on pencils. Yeah, but you know, usually you're not erasing something you did a few years ago. Well, what are you going to do? Also, erasers make messes. And I know that because I see my boy erasing stuff on his homework all the time. And then I get that eraser dust all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, I should also know because we did end up filling out, again, going back to 2017, um, aside for those missing fights. Here's the pre-pandemic descent rates. We already had 2019. It was 7.05. So that was another really good year, right? They were already on the heels of a pretty good year. 2018. This almost seems anomalous too. And I kind of wanted to check it, but I ran out of time. It's at 8.25% in 2018. It's really high. Um, Especially because the year before 2017 was 7.33. So like, that's like the outlying year. And considering there's so many, so many rounds, 1% is like almost a hundred rounds, right? Maybe more. Uh, well, it's, yeah, just about. Well, no, more like ten. Oh, 10. I don't know. 
My math's all messed up. What are you gonna do? I don't know. I, I'm doing. I'm trying to do the math on the fly. I'm not getting it. It's not. Um, no, my math's wrong. Ignore that. It's it's one fifteen in the morning, and I worked a, an eight hour shift, and I'm on four hours of sleep. So you know, forgive me for my math not being on point right now. The the math I've been doing before that should be on point, but but right now, yeah. um. That was all I had for kind of the, the, the general trends. But let's talk about the 10 eights. We always talk about the 10 eights every year. Um, that has its own trends, right? So this I should note, and this is actually a positive note on the 10 eights. I don't even know if you noticed this, Dan. I didn't either. But uh, we actually saw an increase in the rate of 10 eights handed out this year. Um, it's the first time we've seen it jump since the great regression uh, from Jan Blahovich and uh, Israel Adesanya, the fifth round of March 6, 2021, the change never. We're getting more comfortable writing it, maybe. Or maybe fight, I don't know. or maybe fights are just 10 eights more often. Well, I can tell you I can tell you this, out of 978 UFC rounds, 203 of these rounds, wait, is that right? 200 203? Did I have that correct? That doesn't seem correct. I must have that must be left over. So, there were 71. Okay. <laughs> gonna be like, anything I'm gonna be, i was about to say wow they they surpassed that five percent they're looking for <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know where that number came from that was that's a strange number um yeah there were there were 71 rounds that had any 10 8 given you know one okay. two or three or or even a 10 7 is that is that just so, ufc or is that across all we're only talking about ufc oh, okay so, that that is 7.3 percent of rounds had a 10 8 in them so they actually that's did. up one that's up 1.01 percent from the year before so they did hit that five percent on that graphic kind of so the majority uh 10 8 scores where there was at least two 3.68 percent okay so depends what you consider a 10 8 like was around a 10 8 because this technically as on aggregate it's really more like a 10 9 if it's yeah. Two, 10, nine, seven, eight, right? And like last week, we talked a lot about 10, 8, 10, 9s that we did not agree with. Sure, sure. And these things happen. Of course, goes both ways. Um, usually involving uh, Tony Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I should say that the percentage on the one 10, 8 at a time was uh, 3.58, just about the same as the year before. Where we saw an increase, though, was when there was two or three 10, 8s scored. On the whole, up 0.9%. Okay. That's where we saw the, the, the increase. It actually was up half a percent on the unanimous 10 eights that, and I'm also including in there the one that was an, an eight seven split because we've kind of hit, we've already passed the benchmark of this is an eight, you know? Yeah. 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 I think we can lump that one in. There's only one of those. I don't think we need the percentage on that. We know it's one out of 978. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it works. Uh, but yeah, so they were, they were definitely increased and it was nice to see, that finally happened. I don't know how to attribute that because it's not like there was a, a distinctive um, change or push to, to get more of them. Um, but for whatever reason, it just kind of worked that way. Hopefully that's a trend. Um, I should point out though, for reference, because now we have a much deeper pool of pre on Izzy rounds to go back to going, you know, again, basically March, 2021, all the way back to January, 2017. I went back and I looked at that too, right? To give give an idea of what it was like before that changed over the course of years. So before that fight, leading up to that event, right? Um, there were 3,883 UFC rounds, not counting those 21 missing fights. Mm -hmm. Rounds with any 10-8 in them, there were 423. That is 10.89% of rounds. Mm -hmm. So we're still 
very far off of what that was. You were talking about mostly one in 10. One in 10. One in 10. Majority 10 eighths, there were 218. That was 5.61%. That is the 5% that I would view. Okay. So it was really hitting it before, and now we're not. It's like they took the three-point line away. <laughs> kind of, a little bit. Uh, or moved it back several feet yeah. anyway. Um, I don't know if you remember, Dan, this is a non-sequitur, and we're not going to stay here long, but in the 90s, the mid-90s, they had moved the three-point line up a couple feet, and three-pointers like just exploded. And like everyone was hitting three-pointers. Michael Jordan hit like a ton that year because he wasn't really a three-point guy. A okay. um, bunch of people did this. And then they moved the three-point line back again. So, <laughs> yeah right. it's like all right too much too many threes and now they watch basketball now it's a little different and yeah, now you launch 40 footers like it's nothing. there were two uh of of uh of rounds that had two 10 eights and a nine there were 104 that was 2.68 percent and then of the unanimous <coughs> 10 eights plus five that included a seven in there there were 114 that's 2.94 percent of those rounds were unanimous 10 8. We don't even we're that's like almost the number of majority 10 8s we have. Period now. Yeah, it's it's just like the the, the compass is just off. Yeah, all well, around. Kind of by design though. But I would love to see them try to figure out ways that we can hit that number a little bit more with. I'm sure there are ways that they can do it and do it in such a way that hopefully more judges will agree on what a 10 8 is or what a 10 9 would be when it's close that way we see fewer eight nine descents anyway the goal would be to get everybody on the same page right like the, mm -hmm. you just want consistency in judging because then that can help anyone who's paying attention anyway uh figure out how fights are being judged yeah and hopefully that helps the fighters if their coaches and themselves are paying attention which unfortunately most of them are just listening to what the the commentary says you know sometimes that's good usually it's not so good depending on who's talking <laughs> um <laughs> That was uh that was basically all I had kind of for the uh the 10 eights themselves, but I did notice some patterns with the with the judges' tendencies in 10 eights, right? We talk about these as well each year. There was not a distinct like 10 8 pusher this year. Usually there's someone who we kind of see doing a whole lot more than somebody else that really didn't manifest this year. It was a lot more balanced. And honestly, I thought the judges on the whole were just more on the same page of what they were looking for than in previous years uh, more agreement and that was nice to see um but yeah i guess the closest you could have to you know like like i was saying a 10-8 pusher would be someone like mike bell who's that's kind of a typical role of, of his he had four solo 10-8s including of course that unfortunate uh shevchenko grasso mm. second fight round five uh compared to just one solo nine so you know 80 percent of the time if he's off on on the eight nine he's in the He's in the eight range, but that's still not a big number there. Um, on the other side, though, we had Brian Miner, who was comparatively much more reluctant to give the eight. He had no solo eights this year in the UFC. We're only talking about UFC. Um, and then three solo nines. So if he was split, he was in the nine. But he also didn't work a whole lot of UFC rounds. He only had 31 UFC rounds scored. So the fact that he had three solo nines in there is fascinating. Because one in 10 rounds, he's like, no, that's a nine. Everyone else said it's an eight. <laughs> Go figure. Um, Sal D'Amato, no surprise here, had the most eights scored. He had six compared to four nines. He was also the one in the most splits just by virtue of he does a lot of these, right? Uh, Chris Lee, not far behind. He had three nines. Uh, and, uh, well, I didn't write the number down of how many eights he had. I think it was four. I can check that real quick, actually, for us. I thought I wrote that down. It was indeed four. 
Yeah. So I had four eights and and uh and three nines. He also had the only seven of the year, like we mentioned, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh those again, these are two of the most active judges. That is not surprising. When we're talking about volume, you're gonna have volume pretty much everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. They were one and three in the number of total UFC rounds scored this year. I brought up Tony Weeks before. He was split on a degree, you know, eight, nine, three times in UFC rounds. And each and every time was one of the worst of the year. So if he was off, he was off by a mile. Yeah, it seemed like it was just overcorrection each way. I don't know. Go Possibly. figure. That doesn't. That also does not include the PFL round that we had on Judgment Day. Oh. So just the UFC. <laughs> um, go figure. I mean, Tony Weeks <clears throat> has never been known as like an eight pusher you know, so to speak. But uh, yeah, now for whatever reason, he just seems off on it. I don't know. I don't know what you attribute that to. Hopefully he just gets a little more in line with his peers. It's not like he's not working. He he works. He works a lot of rounds. He's obviously one of the most veteran in the game. So maybe there's just a a, a smaller correction that needs to be made to get on the same page with his, uh, his peers. I don't know. Um, Combined UFC PFL and Bellator here. This, This is the only time I'm really bringing this up for the eights. Ben Cartledge, Actually had the most rounds scored this year without an 8-9 split. None of them. Hmm. If there was an 8, he was on the same page as everybody else. Or at least the majority, I should say. Um, Had 165 rounds like that. Eric Colon barely led Cartledge in just the UFC alone. It was 127 to 120. Um, Which was surprising, too, because uh, Colon we often see as someone who's more likely to give an 8 than his peers. This year, someone saw it his way. He was he was doing something right there, but in uh, some of the other promotions he works because he's one of those judges who actually worked all three promotions this year. Uh, he did have some some uh, eight nine splits. There were no ten tens, Dan. Not this year. Not this year. Christoph Chapuis, he spared us. Yeah. <laughs> on that regard, he he had a he had a round show up on Judgment Day. He still, he still made that list. So wasn't a ten ten though. So hey, <laughs> progress. Is this yeah, progress? Yeah, going forward. Yeah. Yay! Viva la France. <laughs> Uh, 10-7, again, we mentioned it before, Chris Lee. This is, and, and the funny thing is, though, too, because I was looking at my notes for last year, Dan. Last year, we were wondering aloud, like, when are we even going to get 10-7 again? And sure enough, six months later, we got one from Chris Lee. Mm. Not that we agreed with it. Uh, as we've said many times, kind of, at this point, starting to beat into the ground. Um, but it is still nice to see it's not a forgotten score. It's not a completely taboo score or anything like that. That is that is good. That is welcome. Um, also, cheap plug. Go back and listen to our 10-7 centric episode from last year. That was episode number 222. Oh, I yeah. thought that was a good one. I don't think we can really do that show again, right? That's 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 not one we really got any more ground to cover. Maybe maybe in like 20 years. Yeah, we need we need some more uh some more content from it. I guess I think so. I think so. So, or maybe we just get a bunch of judges to throw sevens out there and just to see how we see what happens. What's gonna happen? Yeah, just just see what happens. Just throw one in there. If it looks if it looks kind of rough, just do like yeah, seven. <laughs> That's what I'd do. No. Um, that was all I have for the eights. I want to move on to uh weight classes and genders. We we haven't talked about this on the data show for a little while because we kind of took, I think the first year we did this. We had already spoken about the the weight classes and genders. I hadn't really been tabulating it as much over the years, but again, now we've got seven years of data. There's a lot of rounds, um, so I wanted to go back and kind of look at this further. There's literally thousands of UFC rounds in the data chart now. It, it's kind of staggering how many we now have to look at. Um, every weight class has just a bunch of them now. You, I would say probably the 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 lightest one is, and I combine 
women's featherweight and bantamweight because there just aren't enough fights, especially of featherweight. Bantamweight is also not a huge division either. So if you put the two of them together, they're not distinctly different. So that's how I kind of work that one. But um, the nice thing about this is it kind of, now that we have all this data, it gives us a better idea of how judging differs among the divisions, right? So specific to men's and women's fights, I'm going to ask you, do you think that there is a noteworthy difference between them and which way would it be? Between men's and women's? As far as the descent percentage goes in a men's fight versus a women's uh, fight. So I, I would think it it's it's definitely bigger. I would think the, the lighter they are, but I also, they don't go. Yeah, think, just think about the, uh, the, the the male and female. See, okay, so I think I think male, it goes like the opposite of a bell curve, like a U curve. Mm-hmm. They, there's less descent in the middle weight classes. And as you get heavier, there's more. And as you get lighter, there's more. And in the women, I think it's kind of more of a steady steady slope upward as you get go from light to, to heavy. Okay. If you understand what I'm kind of saying. I, I do. That's all well and good. But you're still not answering my question. And maybe it's not, maybe I'm not making it clear enough. My question is, if you have a men's round and then you have a women's round, which one do you think is more likely to have a descent in it? Oh, uh... I think you think it's a noteworthy amount. No, I don't think so. Well, you're right. They're almost identical. It's I mean, pretty remarkable. The men's uh, round, the, the the descent percentage for men's fights is 21.3. That just means num- a round that will have a descent in it. It's a little different than when we talk about the descent percentage for the judge. It's more like when they're in the minority, as opposed to here, we're just talking about, is there any any split over the winner? So 21.3% for the men, and that's over 5,301 rounds. Mm. Over 1,338 women's rounds, that percentage is 21.45%. It is a difference of 0.15%. Okay. They're basically, they're virtually identical. Well, you know, there's, there's, especially in the women's, there's a lot of mismatches where one, there's just one clear winner. Yeah, that will present, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, Dan. I'm, we'll circle back to that. Okay. But the 10-8 and 10-9 and 10-7 splits, particularly the 10-8-9, the, the right? Mm-hmm. I tracked a percentage of that, too. Okay. I don't think we talked about that last time, but of those two, where do you think judges are more likely to be split on the degree of round winner, men or women? Men, I, I say for sure. You're right. 7.13% for the men, 6.8% for the women. So about a about a third of a percent difference. Or a third percent, I should say. <laughs> one one third of a yeah, you get me. Um so yeah, it's a little bit more for the men. They're a little more on the same page of the degree when it comes to women's fights. Going back to kind of the shape that you were talking about with the the of the curve kind of with, with these men's fights, we had kind of identified that when we first did this, but that was a limited data set. It really was just, mm-hmm. I think it was 2019 and 2020 was, was what we had. Not mm-hmm. that much. We now have a lot more. And what has come to bear from that is the fact that it probably more resembles a steady growth as it gets from heaviest to lightest, where they are more likely to be disagreeing on the round winner for the lighter fights fighters than the heavier fighters. Heavyweight actually had the lowest descent percentage. Really? Period. That's kind of shocking. It it is a little shocking. But I can understand it because in theory it should be more clear. But also I feel like we talk about a heavyweight fight every week. And honestly, they're kind of reliable too. You can often pick which one's going to be split on that. I mean, it, it Um, it could also, 
this could be just me what I'm what, how my mind works and what I what I think. Mm-hmm. But I feel heavyweight is kind of trash now, outside of the champ. Uh, and back then when DC was you know was was around, I thought it was a, probably a lot more competitive. It's possible. Know. It's possible. There's there's a degree of that. Um, I think I think there's always been a, a pretty big drop off between at heavyweight. You know, it, there's always drop offs at different different levels, but especially at heavyweight because you're not always getting the prime athletes to this sport because if you're a bigger man, you can probably make a lot more money doing something else than face punching. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's like there's like four good heavyweights right now, maybe five. Uh, yes, it's not a large number. I'll give you that, but I think those ones are quite good. Not that we want to get off topic too much about yeah. that. I should note though, as as much as heavyweight is the the lowest percentage, randomly in the middle of this chart, the middleweights are distinctly bigger. Wow. The 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 uh, percent is there. It goes up from ni- so heavyweight is nineteen point eight six percent. So they're just under one in five. Middleweight, it's up to twenty two point five percent, and that's kind of an anomaly. It's 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 higher than light heavyweight. It's higher than welterweight. It's higher than lightweight. Lightweight is also very low. That's the only other one that was. Under twenty percent, you know. That's so yeah, you're, you're, sort, you're sort of right there, but it's really more just isolated to that one division. Okay. Bantamweight, men's bantamweight had the highest. That's not surprising. Rate. No, but it, it, what's a little surprising is it was actually higher than um, flyweight. Yeah, but is flyweight as uh, competitive as bantam? It may not be. That's probably a good chunk of that. It, it makes some sense. Sure. Um, but that, the percent rate for that one is 23.14. So we're, we're about three and a half percent more likely to disagree on the round winner for uh, where, where judges are for a bantamweight fight than they are for a heavyweight. Mm. The reason I think, by the way, middleweight, I mentioned middleweight. The reason I think middleweight has a problem is because it just sucks. Definitely now it's just terrible. It's very crummy. Yeah, it's not fun. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been not fun for a while. And it's guys like, I'm going to pick on him a little bit. I'm going to pick on Christoph Jocko. <laughs> who's not with the UFC anymore, but like those type of fighters. Yeah. And even Sean Strickland. I Sean Strickland deserves some blame here too. He does, because you expect the guy that, that he says he wants to know what it's like to kill somebody and then he just point fights. Well, everything he does is kind of does have a wicked pace though. Himself. Yeah, I look so... you can't take away what he did against Adesanya. He he pillar to post won that fight. That was impressive. That's like the only time he's ever really looked that way over the last bunch of years and usually against much lesser competition. I don't know what the deal was. Maybe he just rises to the occasion. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not like it was that long ago he lost to Jared Kennedy. Not that Jared Kennedy is a bad fighter by any stretch, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I just think middleweight kind of sucks, and that's probably why. <laughs> but notably, though, middleweight has the lowest 10-8 versus 10, or 10-9 split rate at 5.44%. When it happens, it's probably just super clear. I guess so. Maybe probably because they're just not getting anything done big. It's like a guy again. Guys like Jocko are just like winning rounds, mm-hmm. like you know, eking by and you know, grinding them out against the fence and stuff like that. It's 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 always things like that, right? Um, the highest ten eight ten nine split percentages. What what men's division do you think it is? Seventy fifty five. You were close. Eight point four three percent of the time, we're talking about a a split there. Yeah, I was, you know what, I was trying to figure out which division probably has the most fighters, and I, I was, I thought seventy might have the most, but I guess fifty. Honestly, seventy might, but I don't think that has to do well, with that. It. Was my threat? That was my thinking anyway. There are a lot of seventy fights. There's a lot. There are a lot of fifty-five, and there's a lot of thirty-five now, even forty-five. Yeah, it's basically that whole range there. Realistically, if if you had to pick four weight classes for mixed martial arts to live off of for the rest of time, 
I think you'd want to pick anywhere from 35 to 7 and just say, you know what, we're good. Everyone else can go home. Yeah, except for John Jones. He's going well, he's going to fight at 70. <laughs> he made his money. He's good. He doesn't need it anymore. But yeah, so as far as the women goes, cuz that's all the men. Yeah, you know, I think we covered everything with the men. But uh on the women's side, again, I lumped in featherweight and bantamweight here. The quote-unquote easiest to judge where they're always going to they're more likely to be on the same page out of every men's or women's division is this combined one that i'm talking about here 17.93 percent of the time they disagree on who won the round so we're talking about uh about five and change percent less than men's bantamweight Mm. that's there's a big difference there and especially because it's funny most of those are women's bantamweight that feels like it's the skill gap well almost definitely almost definitely for that one i mean shoot if you take away jocelyn edwards i feel like we're down to like 11 (laughs) percent Just just take her out of the equation. We got to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I pick on Jocelyn Edwards too much. I'm sure she's lovely, but you know. Um, you can take Angela oh, Hill with her. What's that? You can take out Angela Hill with her from uh, any 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 weight class she's fought in. I mean. Well, she's only fought in strawweight. She's never been big enough to fight anything. about. I think she does have a technically 120-pound fight in there. That was like a late notice fight, but I didn't even throw that into these categories. I do have some numbers that track that in there, but I kind of lump it into strawweight anyway. Um, speaking of strawweight, that is actually the highest descent percentage in all of the weight classes, men's or women. That's 23.83%. So uh, almost a full 6% higher than the heaviest women is the lightest women. Mm. Not a not a distinct surprise, but yes, the between there, the flyweights, that number is also between those two numbers. You were right about that. It does softly go down all right they do actually have a flyweight though and this is the last one about the weight classes and the genders here the lowest of all 10x split rates you know 10 8 10 9 4.43 percent for women's flyweight yeah that that makes sense so when something happens at flyweight in the women's side the judges are pretty much on the same page most of the time it feels like it's hard to miss at that for, for a degree class. of it yeah I do still feel like that's the best division. I think that's the one that's that's going to be the best division for a while. Because yeah. it ended up doing what it ended up doing is it pulled in all like the a lot of the fighters that were fighting too heavy up at 35 and the ones that were cutting way too much at 15 <laughs> and pulled a bunch of them back in. And there are already a bunch of women who naturally kind of weigh in that range. So um I think if you look, they might actually have the highest women's uh total on the roster now at, at 125. All right, yeah, 125 is good. Mm-hmm. But that was it for the uh, for our eight our uh, our excuse me for our uh, genders, men's and women's. Got to move on now to and we always do this. We highlight some specific judges to kind of talk about, right? And I'm gonna do this in kind of two parts. One of them is just highlighting general judges, right? And I think we probably start almost every year with Zaldamato, and this one it's just not gonna be any different because he is the high volume judge. He is the high volume judge. He is actually uh, he, he worked <laughs> he worked an absurd number of total rounds this year six hundred sixteen that's across the, all three promotions that is a lot it's ninety nine rounds more than he did the previous year yeah and actually he had the same total last year as he did two years ago it was identical at five seventeen each of those two years so this one it's up to six sixteen almost a hundred up kind of weird also had the exact same number of uh, UFC bout assignments at 192. 
mm-hmm. as the previous year. That's weird. How do you hit 192 each year? That's so strange. That's a little strange. It's not even off by one. It's a, and, and again, pair that with the fact that the year before he had 517 and the year before that 517 in the UFC or, 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 or total, excuse me. How do you get that consistency? That's crazy. <laughs> Absurd. Um, obviously living in my headspace right now. He, uh, he had the most UFC rounds scored for the fourth straight year. <laughs> not a surprise. You go all the way back to 2019, though. <coughs> Derek Cleary was the last judge to unseat him for the most uh, UFC rounds scored. But it was just one year. Uh, Sal also led in 2018 and 2017. Um, he was like, you know what? I'm going to do it one year. I'm going to beat you, and that's it. He worked his tail <laughs> off. He got all those assignments. Maybe maybe he sent, uh, sent the motto on some vacations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Tanya Hardington. I don't know. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, hope not. I hope not. I hope these people have respect for each other and, you know, going to gonna not do stuff like that. But look, I don't know. I don't know the sordid world of judging to that degree, from, especially from 2019 and on. Who knows? Who knows what Cecil Peoples was doing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mike Bell for the, the second year, uh, excuse me, third year in a row, he was second in the number of total rounds, 324. Uh, and this came, despite the fact that he didn't work any of those promotions right. after that aforementioned round which was back in september so he was on a crazy pace this year do you uh, do you think that last quarter of him not working attributed to you know to sal damato getting uh that extra hundred rounds i mean i doubt it he was probably going to work most of those events anyway i know but more I, assignments I that was more what it was ass- but i'm saying more assignments per no because no. they've they've been bringing in lots of people yeah, i mean think about the, the people that came in this year we we, we saw um I believe this was the first year David Leatherby worked and and uh, Ben Cartledge or did they did they come over the year before? I can't remember at all. I I thought David Leatherby was this year for Vegas. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there was, there was a lot, maybe maybe Ben Cartledge came first. I can't recall. Um, Chris Lieben came in near yeah, the end of the year. That's true. That's true. You know, there's there's always people they're calling. Uh, I mean, Jacob Montalvo got a lot of assignments this year. A whole lot. He did. Um, he really didn't have too many. Now we're now we're starting to get a more complete data data table for uh, Jacob Montalvo. Um, but I do kind of wonder. I'm like, you know, looking at it, maybe that extremely high work rate for Mike Bell. Maybe maybe if he took a break, either by choice or by not choice, I have no idea. But um, a break, nonetheless, probably a good idea. I imagine this is the type of thing that can really burn you out. Especially, almost none of these guys can do this as a full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gotta that's gotta eat up at your time. Flying all over the place, working all these things. A break, I'm sure, is is welcome to recharge the batteries. And as I said on the Judgment Day episode, I certainly hope he's back in the chair sooner than later because he is a fantastic judge. Um should also point out the only other judge who hit three hundred or more rounds in the UFC oh, period this year, I should say, were uh Derek Cleary, my judge of the year for twenty twenty three. He had three hundred and seventeen and Chris Lee, three hundred on the button. 300 on the button. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sal D'Amato also worked 44 five-round fights across those promotions, which matched his 2021 total and was five higher than last year. So he saw an increase in the five-round assignments. Could that have been related to Mike Bell? I have no idea because he's usually working those with Mike Bell, so I don't. I kind of doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, should also point out Mike Bell was second in five-round assignments with 25. Chris Lee had 21. Those are the only ones hit the twenties. Derek Clear had nineteen. Ron McCarthy at sixteen. That was I like to see him get up to that number. He he should be getting more. Um, Eric Cologne at fourteen. 
Janitro Camillo 14, Ben Cartledge had 12. So did Brian Miner. Um, they were all the double digits. David Leatherby missed out on double digits. He was close at eight. Mm. Um, and it's dawned on me. We're probably not going to have as many five round fights across those promotions next year because, again, three is now two promotions Bellator and PFL are one. Um, there's going to be fewer Bellator events because it's still Bellator International Champion Series trademark. Um, <laughs> but those, I, my understanding from talking with Don Davis is it sounds like they want those to be international. So we probably won't always get the same judges doing those. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But it probably means that guys like Ron McCarthy and Janitro Camillo are not going to get all those assignments. We might see some more for guys like Ben Cartledge and, and David Lillard, who knows, or some other judges who, who are international as well. Um, not a bad thing, just an observation. One more thing about Sal. Since 2017, again, still excludes those missing rounds that I've got or missing fights. <coughs> UFC only. We have 2,000. 392 rounds in the data set for Sal D'Amato. Ton of work. 2,392. That is a, I, I mean, we have a complete picture of what kind of we're going to see, I guess, when when uh, when Judge D'Amato is in the chair. We just don't get that with everybody. But we do get it with, we certainly have some big complete numbers at this point. Uh, Derek Cleary is the second most, He but he is still uh, 656 rounds behind. Hmm. Which is crazy. A lot of judges don't even have that many periods. Uh, only Bell and Lee had even half as many or more than Judge D'Amato. And, uh, well, he is the only judge who had at least four digits of bout assignments. Straight up assigned fights. That's and we're still just talking about the UFC. It just, doesn't include everything. Just in the UFC. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, impressive numbers. When when you hear people complain about Sal D'Amato, and it happens on the regular, right? It just does. Because his name just triggers everybody. It's it, it. I will stand by this hill, and I will defend it to the death. They complain because they hear his name more. Period. He's just there more. You're going to hear it more. It's going to stand out. That's just the way it is. He gets blamed for fights he didn't even judge. That's true. That is actually true. Ay, ay, ay. But yes, again, prolific numbers from Judge D'Amato. Very impressive. And I wanted to make sure I highlighted all of it. I want to circle back next. We can move away from Judge D'Amato here. I want to circle back next to a judge we brought up last year. Because um, I think it's worth following up uh, upon him. And that's Anthony Manis. Mm-hmm. Do you remember distinctly what we talked about with Anthony Manis last year? Uh, we didn't really see eye to eye with with him last year. Well, especially it was the fact that he had a distinctly, um, let's say, one of those things is not like the other descent percentage, you mm-hmm. know? And look, we said at the top of the show, it's not the be-all, end-all. But if you are off target of your fellow judges more than 10% of the time or like deeper into the teens at this point, as we were starting to see with uh, Judge Manus, it's not ideal. You're you want to get on the same page, right? Mm. And I don't think we had too many. I think we had one round from Judge Manus this year. Didn't even make the the Judgment Day episode. We did have one this year where we just did not see an argument for his round. Um, but that's really the only one that I, like had stuck out with me. So it's not like he's like turning in cards where like this doesn't make sense, Anthony. What are you talking about? You know, it wasn't like that. But anyway, we kind of him last year because he he was so distinctly off, right, in, in terms of the descent rate. He is still 
the judge with a hundred plus UFC rounds over the last seven years, who's still active, like judged a fight last year. He is the only one who is so far off in terms of his descent rate. He is at 12% right now, uh, quote unquote lifetime for UFC, because that doesn't include every single thing. It just goes back to 2017. So he's at 12%. But he did improve last year in 2023. 41 rounds scored, not a giant number, but there's something there, right? 4.88% descent rate. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Only two descents out of that. Um, again, one of them we did not see much of our game for. But this is improvement in terms of getting on the same page as your peers. And I wanted to make sure we highlighted that because if we're going to highlight the quote unquote bad, I think we got to highlight something that's, I guess, quote unquote good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I, I thought that was worthy. (sighs) Hopefully that trend continues. You know, like we do if we definitely want these judges to get on the same page. I'm not looking for anyone to get their their licenses pulled or the assignments pulled and that kind of thing. I hope they all just get better and just get better judging every week. That's really all. Yeah, it's all in the name of that. So it's nice to see uh, some progress there, right? The only other judge I should point out again of judges who worked last year and have at least 100 rounds, UFC rounds, quote unquote lifetime. Paul Sutherland was the only other one in double digits for descent rate lifetime. We're talking 10.11. I understand though, he may be kind of stepping away more from judging at this point. He he has a gym, I think. He trains fighters, I believe, even his son, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so I think that he's kind of moved away from the chair, if I understand right. And either way, wish him well. We did have another judge who had been in the double digits, I believe last year even, which was Dave Torelli. But when you add in what he did this year, 2023, and his work from 2017 and 18. His number actually went all the way down to uh, a much more respectable 8.59%. All right. It's not ideal still. We still kind of want to see that you usually want to see that number in the sevens or better. That's like, that's like kind of a, a real sweet spot. Mm. But once you've, once you've gotten back under 10, it's like, okay, this isn't too bad. Usually, usually a couple rounds here or there, especially if, you know, we see some overrides in there and that kind of thing. Uh, um, it's, it's not so bad. Depends, right? Everything's mm-hmm. subjective. It's not. It's numbers are just numbers. They don't. They don't. They don't tell the whole story. Um, but yeah, he he had a good rate too in the past year out of uh, six no, 42 rounds. Excuse me, just one more than Manus. His percent was four point seven six. He also had two descents. So a, a solid year from uh, Judge Torelli, who is just around the corner from you and I, right? Mm-hmm. You know that dude's ordering Taylorham. Oh, for sure. That's that's just the way it goes. It's the way what you're supposed to order. Yeah. Pork roll. Get out of here. What was that? That was me on pork roll. Oh, I thought that was a belch. I was like, wow. No, that's no, no. Dan and I are recording uh, separately because uh, there's a bug going around Dan's house and I don't feel like getting it because I get enough from uh, my kids. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Um, we mentioned before Jacob Montalvo, too. I, I'm kind of loving him a little bit to the Anthony Manus conversation, right? Jacob Montalvo. After an active 2023, he didn't quite hit 100 rounds, quote-unquote, lifetime for UFC. Um, although I actually believe that is his full UFC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he is at 10.1% on the descent. So he's on the border. He didn't quite hit it. Next time he gets around, he'll be at 10 even, or 11 even, depending on how that goes, right? Um, still kind of newer to the Vegas scene. Hopefully he can kind of settle in and get on the same page as well, too. But, uh, yeah, something something to keep an eye on, right? Always watching. I want to make sure we get a little bit more time on this next judge here, Dan. Ron McCarthy. All right. <laughs> Brought him up before on the show. 
Um, I believe he was my judge of the year when first time we did the judges. Is that right? Does that sound right to you? It does. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna take it back. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no this is a good one. This is this is honestly this is a, this is a good thing. Um, he had 2023's best descent rate uh, among, among that active category we're talking about. 3.55 percent in 141 UFC rounds. Mm. That is fantastic. Mm. You love to see it, um, especially among. I mean, the fact that he had 141 rounds too to get that number. We're talking about you know Anthony Manis and Dave Torelli. They only had 41, 42 rounds. You know, this is a much bigger number. It, it's a it's a, a a much better way to reflect how often you're agreeing or disagreeing because it takes a little bit of the chances out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Bigger, bigger total, b- bigger body of uh, data to work with the better, right? Amazing year for him. Continues to work like a judge who, in my opinion, should be on as many five-round fights as as someone like a, a, even a Saldamato. Um, I think he's really one of the best judges that we have in this sport right now. Um, I think, uh, I, I hope we see more of this, you know? I, I would like to see it. I don't know if he wants to do it. I mean, it may change too because he worked a lot of Bellator events. And again, the world's going to look a little different. I don't know. We will have to see. But either way, I want to see more opportunities for him. 16 five round assignments. That was still good. But hey, how about some more? Throw throw this guy, throw this guy a couple more bones. And I'm not just saying that because my in laws are McCarthy's because they're not related. Hmm. <laughs> um, and then the last one, I want to circle back one more time on Mike Bell. Again, we have highlighted the unfortunate negative of the year right there's a lot of good here um if you take that away he had a really strong year 4.15 descent rate over 217 ufc rounds that is the best for judges with 200 plus ufc rounds this year next closest was Derek cleary and he's at 6.06 so almost two percent difference and that's working more rounds just ever so mm-hmm. slightly too so very impressive and again clear was my judge of the year i feel like there's a real great chance that if Mike Bell just puts a nine instead of an eight in that round, he is probably both our judge of the year. There's a, there's a solid chance there, yeah. There's a real chance of it. Um, just a, just an incredible judge. He had uh, an, a rate of 18.27% of UFC bout assignments being five rounders. That is almost one in five fights that he worked are five round fights. That's a, a, a distinct level of trust from commissions to be able to get that right. Um, the only one with more in kind of that group we keep talking about, Ben Cartledge, 18.75. There's, there's Mr. Five rounder right there too. Um, basically well ahead of anyone with 50 UFC rounds or more in the past year. Sal D'Amato was next at 14.58. Very high number. He works a lot of fights, period. He obviously has more five rounders than anybody, but the percent wise, the Kings are Cartledge and Mike Bell. And that was it for the kind of the. Those the highlighting those individual judges in that way. I have one more thing I wanted to do this year, Dan, before we kick it over to you to talk about the couch side overrides, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to, and I got this idea from talking with actually another official, and I and I and I liked I liked what I came up with from a conversation I had with this official. I wanted to highlight kind of some of the judges that, especially over the last three years, I kind of focused all the data that we're gonna be talking about now on 2021 through 2023. All the Bellator, UFC, PFL rounds mixed together. Trim off the older data a little bit, right? Because it's there, it's important, but now it's starting to get older, right? I wanted to look more into what more recent trends we kind of have, right? So the goal is to identify, you know, who's been kind of the most in line with their peers the last three years. And I separated this out to different 
you know, tiers, right, of, of number of rounds work. This way we can kind of talk about those judges that we talk about all the time and hopefully identify some other judges that we really don't talk about a whole lot, that maybe there's a reason these judges should get more opportunities so that we do talk about them more. You know what I mean? Um, 42 judges are going to be a part of this sample that I talked about that had at least 50 rounds over the past three years for those three promotions. And again, no PFL Europe. Ugh. Also missing a couple of Bellator rounds from 2021. Still working to get those. Didn't happen this time. Hopefully soon. I've got commissioners working on it. Fortunately. I think they'll help. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was uh, hoping to get it done. It just didn't happen. Anyway, our five groups that I separated out to, Dan, there is the 400 plus rounds scored group. That's like the, the we'll call it tier A, right? Uh, tier B will be the 250 to 399 rounds scored. Tier C is the 100 to 249 rounds scored. Tier D is 66 to 99 rounds scored. And then tier E, the final one, 50 to 65 rounds scored. So that's a much smaller portion. You're not you're not getting as many variables in there, right? Um, it. I think it's still important to highlight them at all levels, right? Can, I, I don't know how interested you are. Can you give me I think tier A again? A is 400 plus. Okay. Yeah. That's the high volume. There's only going to be a few judges who uh, who sit in that category. In fact, I can tell you how many it is. There are only eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to start there, too. The leader among of descent percentage in that group, who do you think it is? Who do you think has the highest descent, best descent percentage in that that high-working tier? Is this all judges? Every All, all judges? judges over the last three years. Any judge that have over 400. In those three promotions, of course. Who do you think had the best descent percentage? Uh, I don't know. No guess? Come on. You know these names. I know. What's the matter with you? But uh, there's so many variables thro- being thrown in my head. I'm like, well, Sal works so many events. So I'm like. I'm going to count to three and you're going to spit a name out. Okay. One, two, three. Dark clear. work well. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, you're wrong. Okay. It was Janitro Camito. Okay. 5.22%. That is uh, a remarkable number to have especially over 843 rounds. That is really terrific. Uh, he's the leader. Ron McCarthy is behind him at 5.56, really close in there. And then Mike Bell third at 5.61. None of these judges, by the way, over that three-year period were uh, in the top of five-round assignment percentage. Obviously, Mike Bell hit that this year. He was he was really high up there. But um, I just feel like these three judges in particular are ones that we should be seeing in more five-round fights, a higher percentage of five-round fights. They're in a bunch. Feed them more. Feed them more. I want to see it. I think I think we can if we can get these guys all on the same page. Imagine, imagine, I don't know how often they work together. That's one I should do next year for our data show. The judges and how they work together. Well, if they do the Maybe right we'll... thing and start booking more five round fights like they should. Well, they should do that too. But, then but again, I, I think we're gonna see a decrease in that in terms of the North American one. That's stupid. I, I think so too. I mean, PFL, they don't do five rounders until their championships, and they only do like six of them a year. So you're basically just wiping everything Bellator did last year off the table. Imagine we had two more rounds Not of every, Burgos. Oh, I know. And, uh, Dude, the, play, the PFL playoffs should be five rounders, and they should just do six fights. They don't need to do like a, a 10-fight card. Just do six fights. They're all five rounders to figure out who goes to the well, – Three of the four of them are five rounders, right? To figure out who goes to the final, I think that'd be great. See, I should I should be running a promotion. Someone just give me a promotion to run, like consequence free. Like I'll get paid no matter what. I'm not looking for any sort of like blowback. 
but <laughs> I think I think I should definitely be in charge. Um, I would do great. You agree, right? Of, of course. Yes, you should say that. I gave you money earlier. Yeah. Um, actually, that's not true. You gave me money for you. Finally, paid for the fantasy football league, the, the work, uh, the uh, the media league. Yeah, I planned on winning. Yeah, you didn't. I, I did. You came in last. What are you gonna do? <laughs> it's true. I also stunk this year. So, um, anyway, to get back to this. Uh, the group, by the way, it also includes Brian Miner, who that might okay. surprise you. I don't know if you would have thought of him as in that high volume group. Um, uh, but, but when you include the Bellator, especially, that's yeah, why yeah, that's you, where he really gets in there. Yeah, and not to mention a lot of refing assignments as well. Sure, but again, that's that's beside the point here. Um, Workhorse, also great great dual threat as far as an official, right? Um, it's I'm glad you highlighted that, but yeah. You know, we're a number show. We're not. We're not doing refereeing numbers. He's like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Dual. Threat. You know what? I wanted. I would love to know who the leader is in um, giving point deductions in terms of referees. I'm sure the all-time leader has five. We always actually. <laughs> we always find new things to track. We do. We do. You should track that uh, one. This yeah. You should track the ones who do that. Okay. Or well, even you know track their warnings too. <laughs> that might be tough, but all right. Um, I might give it a shot. You give it a shot. See how it goes. See how it goes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, to get back to this, uh, Brian Miner um, is in that group too. He's at six point one eight percent descent rate, which is just behind Sal D'Amato's six point one two. Good company to be in. Um, Eric Cologne was the lone judge who was actually on uh, above seven. He was up to nine point zero four. Uh, that seven is kind of a good average, right? We were talking about it earlier for the yearly average. It's somewhere in the low seven range, right? Great. I still think he's a terrific judge. We frequently give him cow side overrides. Um, I'm sure he's ordering the wrong type of Taylor Ham, but you know, solid judge. The the number here, it's a number, right? I'm sure he would love to be on the page, same page more often, but yeah, I think he could vend his scores most of the time. He in fact, I can't think of a bad, like a quote unquote bad score that any of the top judges in this group say for maybe Maybe Chris Lee. And actually, Junichiro Kamijo. I can think of one or two where I very much disagreed with him, but nobody else, really. Let's move on to Tier B, my friend. This is, again, this is rounds 250 to 399. That's the total they have, right? The the leader in terms of descent percentage for this one probably surprises you, and he almost doesn't count anymore. Doug Crosby. Okay. 6.62. It's, it, look, it's a good number, um, but we know that his judging method is not the same as all the other judges because he's talked about it. He's one of the few judges who will go talk about it. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. But he really almost didn't work last year. He, he only worked a couple fights at PFL last year, one of which he had to jump in late to to hop on for whatever reason, too. So That was a reunion um, card. Was that? That was a reunion card. A reunion card? What are you yeah. talking about? They brought in uh, They brought in all the guys that used to be. Uh, oh, yeah, seen. yeah, that's right. They were. Uh, I, I, I do recall. Uh, Mario Yamasaki. Peoples was probably called, and then he just couldn't go. Mm-hmm. I hope Cecil Peoples as well. I, I'm bagging on stuff, but you know, like kicks can win fights. That's well, that was that was my team name this year. The, I saw that Cecil C- Peoples like the Cecil Peoples champ. Maybe that's why you finished last. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this group on the whole, the the number was much higher in terms of descent percentage. We still had Tony Weeks and Ben Cartledge were in the seven range. Um, that was that was good to see. Um, David Leatherby. Adelaide Bird, they were in the the eight range here, so not quite uh, up to the nine, but it's it's you, know, you want to see it closer to seven, of course. Still, especially David Leatherby's case, he was a savior on some of those rounds that we talked about in Judgment Day. We give him a lot of cow side overrides, I can recall. Mm. 
Adelaide Bird had a couple rounds we didn't agree with, and unfortunately she does get a lot of slack, and occasionally it's deserved, but there, there are worse judges out there. Um, so I wouldn't put her as one of my strongest. That's just being honest, but um, could do worse. Want to go down now to the C tier. That's 100 rounds to 249 rounds. I had reasons for breaking it up this way. I just thought it was the best way to do it. Um, trying at similar numbers. It didn't quite work, but I tried. Um, there's two judges that I really want to highlight here for a good reason. They're Dave Peabody mm-hmm. and Marcel Varela. Mm-hmm. Dave Peabody, you really only know his name if you watch Bellator and you're paying attention because it's harder to get that information. And he's really only worked Bellator events the last three years. But he had enough to get 105 rounds. So he just barely inched over the line for this uh, this C tier here. He worked eight title fights, though, out of uh, out of 49 assignments and 105 rounds. There's obviously confidence in uh, the Mohegan Commission, Mike Mazzulli. Uh, in giving him five round assignments, and he's mostly on the same page with his peers. That's a good thing. No UFC decisions listed on MMA decisions. Period. So, so real quick, yes, I was actually looking up um, Dave Dave Peabody earlier. Okay, and mm-hmm. I I noticed that like he had he had a pretty busy workload with Bellator for like 2020 to 2021, and then starting last year, less and less assignments. Is that due to less and less Bellator events, possibly? Um. Well, I mean, they did travel some more, so yeah. it, it's certainly possible that it's related to that. I mean, I can tell you the numbers for the year. I mean, he had 16 rounds scored in 2023. Yeah, so you're seeing a much lower number in 2023. 2022, he had 36, and then 2021, uh, that number, as I stole for time, was 53. So you're right. There was a distinct drop-off. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't. I don't know, but I think he's probably a solid enough judge. If he wants more assignments, he should get them. I yeah. think I think he's he's deserving of it. Sure. Um, and actually, he he's only got five uh, dissents period over this time frame. Four of them came in twenty twenty ones, and that's that's where half of his rounds were. So the other half is just one round. Mm. So far, so good. Where where he's he's a solid judge. I would like to see more from him if if he's able to get more assignments. I I'm hearing there there's potential potential for pfl to end up doing some mohegan shows okay i actually had a so, good time when i went up to, to mohegan uh, yeah why not gambling what do, you, what, do you, no, what do you dislike about gambling? No, when i went for bellator i mean i didn't gamble yeah, I when i was there yeah they had some good pizza too actually can i get a solid pizza i believe it new i went to stopped in new haven on the way home okay it was pretty awesome i heard i heard i've heard of mystic pizza that's a that's a movie i did hear about it, that it, i never watched in mystic, it Connecticut, i believe never watched it I never saw it either, but but that was my understanding of what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, again, no UFC rounds on MMA decisions. He just hasn't worked a UFC that I'm aware of. Other commissions, I mean, if he wants the assignments, they might want to consider trying to lure him away and just give him some opportunities, or maybe he should explore it. I think he is someone who probably deserves at least a little bit more of a shot, uh, of a shot or, or some opportunities there if that's what he's interested in doing. For sure. Um, I wanted to also, again, we mentioned his name before, Marcel Varela, based in New York. I had the chance to meet him a few times. Nice man. Um, he has the best rate, descent rate of any judge with two hundred plus rounds. I was, I yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna mention, I was gonna ask you what you for the three years because this year, Who, this year I have him as perfect across the three promotions. So over the over the course of three years and three promotions, and he works all three. Fewer UFC than anything, which is disappointing. If anything, I think he's a solid judge. Um. 10 descents over that time, 101 assignments, 
seven five round fights. So there's definitely some, mm-hmm. you know, main event championship level, bigger fight experience there. 206 total rounds. Um, the descent rate though, 4.85. Mm-hmm. That is, like I said, the best of anyone with 200 plus rounds. It's lower than uh, Janitro Camillo by, I guess it's almost half a percent. Can you, can you confirm this year? He had no descents for, for the, any, for any, the year of 2023. Yeah. For any judge with over 50 rounds. Uh, uh, well, that the 50 rounds would be, uh, you know, over the course of three years is what I'm talking about. I know. I know you're on the three year, but I'm just confirming for this year. So I have for uh, Marcel Varela, 54 scored rounds over those three promotions, mm-hmm. zero descents. Yeah. Two championship or two five round fights. Excuse me. Good. So yes, we're 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 talking about someone who has done very well in terms of being on the same page with his peers, which is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best ways you can evaluate a judge. Um, he's worked in California. He's worked in Mohegan. He's worked in D.C., Massachusetts. He's worked in Missouri. He's worked in New York. For whatever reason, working in New York, he did not get placed on the uh, UFC 295 card to officiate. I don't know why you wouldn't put a judge like that on there. That's kind of disappointing to see because I think someone like that can really benefit mm-hmm. the uh, the judging there. Not that it was bad, but why wouldn't you use a local guy who's demonstrating a pretty good ability to get on the same page as appears? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's something I don't know, but all I know is uh, this guy really ought to be getting some opportunities in Nevada, maybe get a license or something like that. I, I don't know if he's like, I don't think he's licensed there, um, but I that that's someone who would be good to add to the uh, Nevada stable, Marcel Barella. At the other end of this group, um, yeah, there's there's the good, and then there's the other way. And there's eight judges in this group, I should point out. Uh, Jaron Vallel, unfortunately, had the highest descent rate of anyone with uh, 100-plus rounds. That is 14.16. Quite out of step, unfortunately. That's on 113 rounds, um, 16 descents. Look, Jaron's, Jaron's great. He taught us amazing, uh, really helpful stuff when we took the, the, the refereeing course. He was helpful in being, uh, I guess, pretty upfront about challenges he's before. And so was so was Blake Grice. You know, all these officials were very, they felt like they were in a safe place to talk, which is why I'm not going to share any details. Um, but it was great. Unfortunately, the descent rate is definitely not what you'd like to see. You'd certainly love to see him on the same page more. Move to, to tier D here, my man Dan. That's, again, judges with 66 to 99 rounds scored over that time. We've got... I had some three names here for various reasons. Number one, Daryl Ransom. Daryl is like right on the cusp of just crossing over into the next group. He has 99 rounds scored in the last three years. His descent rate is remarkable. It's 2.11. He has two descents out of 99 rounds. Yeah. That is that is really impressive. Um, based out of the UK, he's the best out of these 42 judges in this whole group that we're talking about in terms of descent rate. I would love to see him get more opportunities in the United States. Well, opportunities in the United States, period. Unless he doesn't want them. But uh, whatever the case may be, he's definitely Cage Warriors game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he works he works a lot out of there. We're not even talking about Cage Warriors here. Um, you know, frequently works alongside you know, the likes of Cartledge, Leatherby, uh, those guys. Terrific, terrific judge. I, I think we're going to be talking about him for a while because he'll probably get more opportunities as time goes. I can only imagine, right? Um I also want to highlight Donnie Carroll, who had another very low descent rate, 3.85 across 78 rounds. Um, he's yeah, works out in New Jersey. That's a good rate, of course. Now here's the rub. 
one of the three rounds that he was dissenting on over the last three years. Do you remember the round I'm talking about offhand? That's, uh, uh, what's his name? Rory. And uh, who did he fight? Who did Rory fight? Glayson Tebow. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, that fight. It was that fight. That was um, that was a fight that, unfortunately, the round swung the wrong way. Eric Colon scored it right. Donnie Carolay did not. Um, he was not the only one. I, offhand, I actually is escaping me who scored that one. But, um, unfortunately, that one sticks out with a sore thumb. Not saying he's a bad judge. It's one round still. It, it does not make him a bad judge. It doesn't mean he should be blackballed or anything like that. But it, it's certainly something that kind of stuck out when I saw that name. And I said, oh, that's a good percentage. But also, there's a real ugly one there. Because that was a literal robbery, that fight. That was an actual MMA robbery. The wrong person won. Mm-hmm. And that completely altered the trajectory of the career, especially of Rory McDonald. Because he, I think, very quickly burned out of the sport. When that didn't, when things didn't go his way in PFL, he should have been in the playoffs and should have done well. It just didn't happen. Um, it is what it is. One more judge from this group, Troy Winkapaw, who is uh, at 97 rounds, by the way. So he was just also just short of that next tier. His percent, 8.25. Not sterling, not awful. Um, it is what it is. But my understanding is, I believe he has been licensed to work in Nevada. I believe that's what I've heard. And so we may be seeing more of him next year. All right. Hopefully he can prove that that rate a little bit more even when he starts to work alongside more frequently the uh, the Nevada judges in that pool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hey, happy to happy to see more from him again. That, that was what I believe I'd heard. Um, hey, the more merrier. Give give more judges a chance. Have a bigger pool. I think that's a good thing. I, I'm totally okay with them actually mixing in more judges and spreading the 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 assignments out more. Not to take any money out of anybody's hands. I just think hey. Why not develop even more judges? Yeah. I see no issue with that. Uh, the more you get them working in the same place, the more they can get on the same page, hopefully. You know, whether that's a good page or a bad page, I don't know. <laughs> but it's the page. Uh, <laughs> and then the last tier, tier E, this was judges with rounds 50 to 65 for that three-year period. So much smaller. This is a distinctly smaller group uh, mm-hmm. or distinctly smaller in terms of their sample sizes, right? There's just three I wanted to highlight, and they all work out of Nevada. And I think should be getting more assignments there. Mm. And that's why I want to highlight them in particular. We'll start with number one, Judge Crippler. Judge Crippler. Chris Lieben. He, uh, 62 rounds over the last three years in those promotions. Still not not a large sample size. But descent rate, 3.23, man. It's pretty yeah. good. Still, again, not a big sample size. Three fights he worked to were five rounders. So he's mm-hmm. actually got a little bit of you know upper level uh, judging experience. Also, he fought in the UFC a heck of a ton of times and has been on television in front of us for like 19 years now. So yeah. I think he can handle the pressure. Uh, yeah, Judge Crippler handles pressure. <laughs> the pressure. The pressure is certainly not. I mean, it's different, but you know, he's got that. He got those first UFC assignments off his back too. The first Nevada assignments off his back. He's got some experience and he's been performing well. I would like to see more assignments for him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Flores, judge based out of uh, excuse me, not Nevada, Arizona. You'll see his name. I know you've seen his name with uh, Dana White Contender Series, right? He's a, yeah. He's a he's a, he's always on that. Yeah. So at least there's that. But I you, I would like to see more of him on those Apex cards if that's something he's available to mm-hmm. do and wants to do because I think he's a solid judge. Four point seven six rate out of sixty three rounds. He's also got a couple of five rounders in this in this time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think more more for him is good. Uh, and then Brian Puccillo, new to Nevada this past year. Very much a veteran judge, been working Midwest for a long time. Uh, he turned in 59 
rounds over the last three years. Still, again, small group like we're talking about here. 5.08 descent rate. That's good. Four or five round fights worked in that time. That's that's really good. You like to see it. He was on our Judgment Day card, though, right? Yeah. It's about the eight nines. Just got to get on the same page with the eight nines, and then we should be good. Yeah. That's not enough to keep him away. I still want to see more. All three of those guys. I think it'd be good to get them mm-hmm. more assignments. And they're already licensed in Nevada. Why not? Mm-hmm. Dan, everyone's tired of hearing me talk. <laughs> and by everyone, I specifically mean me. Okay. Please take it away. I want you to give uh, drop some knowledge on Couchside Overrides. All righty. This is my portion of the show. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, we heard Scott do this noise. I'm not doing it. Oh, my goodness. He didn't no one do- got it. No one wow. got one. Wow. Okay. Fine. Well, we heard. You really want to do? I'll do it. I'll do it. Let the people hear it. We've heard that sixty-six times this year. Hey, and sixty-seven now. And now the sixty-seventh time. Yes. See, now I threw a few numbers. That's why I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Topping off the list, Sal D'Amato. We agreed with him when he was in the minority sixteen times, and uh, that was more than you know ten to second place. So we 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 tend to agree with with Sal D'Amato. Coming in second, tied Again, in second. Again, he's got higher volume, too, so there's another reason and for That's it. true, too. We've we've sided with Chris Lee, Eric Colon, and Mike Bell five times. Brian Minor, David Leatherby, Derek Curry four times. And Junichiro Camillo four times. See, when you say when you say David Leatherby, he stands out to me because he doesn't have as many rounds scored. So when we give him four, that says to me, especially when we're talking about a judge who has a higher descent rate, mm-hmm. we're looking at someone who we actually feel is a much better judge than uh, in terms of giving the round the way we would have given it, then the number even indicates. Mm. Yep, I I agree. But hold, I'm going to get to the overridden as well. Oh, okay. Um, and then a- after the four, uh, we got Mark Collette and Ron McCarthy for two each. And after that, every judge is just they got one. Uh, if you do the math, it adds up to sixty six. Uh, one for well, I'm not going to name every judge. There. Will you name every judge who gave none or who got none? Who got none? Every single judge. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of zeros there. <laughs> Not enough. Um, so also now let's let's do the overridden. How many times we sided against the majority and this person was in the majority. Okay. Sal D'Amato, sixteen times. So we gave him sixteen overrides, but we also disagreed sixteen times. Give it the and take. It. Mine, it's a know, net gain of zero. Yin and yang, right there. Yeah. Chris Lee was a little different. He had we overrode him ten times. Uh, but that wasn't the most. Surprisingly, we as much as, you know, Ron McCarthy's a great judge, we overrode him 13 times. And we only, <laughs> and we only and, and like I said, only two uh, couchside overrides there. So we, we weren't seeing things quite the same. No, not the same. But, uh, you know, as, as we always say, you know, it doesn't mean that they got it wrong. It's, it's more just we saw it that way. We just you saw know, it differently. Maybe they got it wrong, but more likely than not, we just saw it a different way. Uh, Derek Cleary. We overrode him 12 times, which is, you know why? It was very rare that he was in the minority to begin with. Sure. So, I mean, if we see it different. And there was that giant chunk of time for months on end. It was like the whole extended late spring into early fall where he was always in the majority. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike Bell, we we overrode him eight times. Eric Colon and Junichiro Camillo six times. And then David Leatherby, he's also even like uh, Sal D'Amato. Over being overridden four times, even Steven. There you go. So I feel like again that that I feel like that improves the level of times where we see it through his lens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm which I mean, and, and Sal just works every every round. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's why Basically. we see it his way. Sometimes we don't see it his way. It's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's practically every round for all intents and purposes, right? <laughs> it's just he's such a workhorse. It's like, oh my god, he's, <laughs> yeah, he is. He's just a horse. Yeah. So 132 overridden judge judges. Okay. You know, I should point out too because you mentioned how many, how often Sal D'Amato worked. He worked 100, 417 UFC rounds, and there were 2,934. So roughly one in what seven i think that is what was it 200 2944 you said no hold on i'll do i'll do the quick math right now 17 yeah 14 percent 14.21 percent of ufc rounds were scored by sal damato <laughs> that's doesn't sound like a lot but it's a lot yeah well actually you have to divide that number by three now that i think about it I'm going to do that number again because it's a little different. Right. So ah, I'm messing it up. It's, I don't know. It's it's 2.30. I'm getting tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is 2.30 in the morning. It's real late. <laughs> anyway, take the floor back, please. I'm I'm obviously ruining everything. Yeah, that's it. I hit the overrides. All right. We had 66. Uh, last year, I believe we had 64. Okay. So we're up two from last yeah, a similar year. Similar number. And, of course, you know, we do all the UFC, but then we kind of cherry pick, you know, non-UFC, which is, again, typically Bellator, PFL, and next year would almost only be PFL. Yeah, you know what? I did want to ask you a question. and I before yep, I'm, I, I'm open to it. And I wanted to ask it to you a while back, but uh, then I forgot about it, and it just popped back into my head. I'm ready. In If you have it, I don't know if you have it, uh, mm-hmm. In the since it's more complete now, do we have a perfect card in the UFC? I didn't look at that. Okay. I can't tell you that off the top of my head, but anecdotally, I would say probably not. Okay. I don't think we do. I think the closest we get is one. Didn't we have one this year? We were close to one. Didn't didn't we only have one like like a month ago? Well, all right. So we had the highest event overall was a perfect. Where it happened was a Data White Contender Series. Uh, well, that doesn't count. Just, There's like five fights. I'm just saying. That's what doesn't count. That's we're not talking about full events. That's where that it was. Count. The we, max we, we okay. The max we did. We find perfect main cards. That's the thing. Like Dana White Contender Series is basically just a main card. All right. The best we had this year was ninety five point six five percent unanimity. Was that was that two ninety six UFC two ninety six? That was towards the end of the year. Uh yeah, it was the final card of the year. Yeah, because so, I remember because you, you were really mad that we had to talk about the one round in uh, Roy Vall oh, and uh, Pantoja. You were, you were steamed. I wasn't mad because heard, of the score. I heard I was, you were throwing stuff. You had a, a tantrum, and your parents had to send to your room. And wah, wah. Just yep. Wah. Like that. A lot like that. Yep. Just like Joe Anderson yep. Brito. <laughs> <laughs> you do love that guy, don't you? Um. Yeah. That's. Uh. I didn't really have anything else to add other than when I interjected with those. It was. That was. That was a lot of. A lot of stuff. To digest. A lot of stuff indeed. But yeah, so for next year, what's what what data should I include? Like I'm open to um, and now I'm speaking to you, the listener in this case, too. Is there any data that you'd love for us to kind of look into? Um, I've had requests over time and some of them include a lot more uh, labor intensive stuff than I think I can accomplish. I mean, I um, at least when I was still working on other things, maybe my time frees up a little differently this year. But I'm open to suggestions. You got anything, Dan? We were. I mean, I know we flirted with, um, you know, door assignments versus clean panel. Um, but then, like, w- what we did track, we found, like, there's really no, there was really no significant um, differences there. 
I feel like it's too there's too many variables involved in that anyway because like what ha- what do you do when like the the fight is directly in front of you compared to when it's all the way across the cage right yeah um, there's a lot of there's there's so many variables involved now that I feel like it gets hard to do that and then I guess this would probably fall in the same category I'd love to try to find you know tendencies you know if a fight you know takes place on the ground but See, that mostly... would be interesting to know yeah um, I, I feel like usc stats would be like probably the best way to integrate that it's mm-hmm. very far from perfect because they can they do you know control time is is basically anything where they're manipulating the other person from the top or 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 even being manipulated from the top you know it's yeah. control time is stupid so it's it's hard but that's probably the only way to do it right yeah that, that would probably be the easiest way to do it otherwise yeah. other than, otherwise unless- it's just bias based on watching well, what I could say, if, you, if you're interested uh, in taking this challenge upon yourself, and of course, you're going to count every single warning that every judge gives this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. Now, um, if, if this tickles your fancy, um, one thing you could do is kind of every time we watch a round, you say, okay, that was like a grappling round, or maybe they gave it and you're inferring that they gave it because of the grappling. Yeah. You know, and that's that would be guesswork. but it's probably educated guesswork because we know what we're talking about a little bit and maybe it could tell you a story i don't know it might be able to that's up to you i'm not doing that that's on you it's, it just seems like a lot of work it sure does so i don't <laughs> want to do it <laughs> man i, well, I put in what? a ton of work on this as you know have... as you called out in the episode and i do appreciate but um i try not to be dumb about where i put my time how about sometimes i am though how about we put it out and see what what the people want well yeah that's what that's why i was suggesting it too i want to i want to hear some suggestions and and, you know feel free to bring up old suggestions if you brought them to me and i kind of said oh you know maybe i could i probably lost track of that one so if you liked something throw it my way i do want to see this is one that i'm kind of going to shoot for next year to see how judges do when they're in certain groups with other judges like we you and i have talked about that a little bit too oh yeah i think yeah I think now I'm ready to do it because the data chart is is almost fully complete now mm-hmm. as far as the UFC rounds. So it makes it a lot easier for me to say, okay, I can put my focus into a different, you know, thing. And I think that would be interesting to see because obviously we talk about dissents and things like that, and that can be thrown off because if you're a judge who happens to work more frequently with quote unquote less experienced or local judges or or maybe judges who just see things see the world differently from you then it's going to color your number a little bit, right? Or, when you have a giant number of rounds, th- that stuff fades a little bit more. But either way, I think it's, I think it'd be interesting to see, hey, how often do, you know, Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee agree when they're in the same round, you know? Yeah, that makes Something like that. Just to, even just – Or trios. Trios too. Trios or, or, again, even just two judges working the same round. How often do they see it the same as opposed to different? Yeah, like and how you, often is like it normal said, for them the same group they're they're working together they're talking together they're probably going to be closer on closer on the same page most of the time you would think theoretically you never that's know that's what but we're going to find it out hopefully I, I think that would be a good one cuz we're we're kind of reaching the point of like all right i've reached back to 2017 like now we'll we'll get a few months more for the data chart next year and we'll have a whole another year mm-hmm. next year too so it'll really be more like eight and a half years almost when we get to the 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 data show for after this coming year Okay. But either way, I think there's still a lot more we can go in different directions. You know, how how often do I need to update the the genders and that kind of thing? I feel like we've covered that now. That's done. Okay. You know, you nailed it. Yeah. I think my work here is done. Yeah. So send send us oh. your suggestions. Yes, please. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know how to reach us. Social media, whatever. 
Um, write me a letter. Postal service is really terrible, though. I warn you. <laughs> never never get anything out to you guys. Um, you got anything else for the judging data, or can we move on and kind of start wrapping up? I think we can move on. All right. We are moving on to looking ahead, finally. We are back at the UFC calendar. Uh, they are back this coming weekend on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time main card. The familiar UFC Apex. So we're at UFC Vegas 70, 84, excuse me, is the uh, one of the many several names that they use for these events, right? Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker, number two. Hopefully this time we get a result instead of a no contest. Yeah. I don't know what kind of fight we're going to get, man. I, I I wasn't, I don't remember being like super enthused about this fight to begin with. There's, there's a level of import here because Ankalaev wins. He's still unbeaten over the last several years and, and potentially a title shot, right? I don't know that we get the same thing with Johnny Walker knocks him off. I think he's just another guy in the mix at that point. Okay. But uh, look, I just want a fun fight. It's, it's been several weeks since we had live UFC. Give me something fun to cap it off. That's all I want. I'm with you. Yeah, let's let's get some fun. I'll make what it, else you want to say? Make it. I want them. I want them to make it quick. Uh, also, but they made it quick last time, and there was no winner. You gotta be specific. Quick with a winner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, what Johnny I'm, Walker by DQ. You know what I want. <laughs> you know what I'm ready to see. I know you're pumped for Gabriel Benitez. Yeah, he, for him to be. He's your guy. He's gonna be staring up at lights after he gets knocked out and almost plotted in the same time. Who, who's he fighting? I don't know. Oh, is, is, is it anybody we've heard of? You don't know who he's fighting? I don't know who he's fighting. Who's he fighting? That's a shame. Who? Jim Miller. I don't know that's a shame. I'm not familiar with that fighter. He's he's fighting Jim Miller. You will knock it off. Jim, what a generic name, Jim Miller. Jim A. Never heard Miller. Never heard of him. This is disgusting. <laughs> this is a disgusting display right now. Well, I've only been writing about him for 14 years. Should be the main event. Of course. Most relevant fight on the card. It's a good lightweight. I mean, anytime Jim Miller's on the card, of course, we, we love those fights. It's he brings he brings uh he brings the, the entertainment, my man. And he's been finally knocking people out. It's like it took him to be almost 40 to find his power. Old man strength. Uh old man strength indeed. He should be the main event. Like I said, little warm-up bout before 300. Sure. Jim by Kabora. My understanding too is that he took the fight. Because he was hopeful that it would still mean he could get on the 300 card. Like, the, the, the idea was this wouldn't prevent him from getting on that one. Mm. Smart man. Definitely orders Taylor Ham. Oh, a million percent. I mean, I would assume, you know. It's definitely it's not ordering portable. <laughs> what is that? Oh, man. Um, I like Mateus Nicolau, though. I, I mean, not that I don't love a Jim Miller fight, but Mateus Nicolau against Manel Kopp especially uh, at 125. That's a fun fight. Good fight at 125. Potential fight of the night. You never know. Nicolau doesn't always up the excitement factor, but no cop does. So hopefully we get something fun there. Yeah, hopefully the one guy doesn't lull the other to sleep. I don't know that Manel Cop can be lulled to sleep. I don't know. I don't don't know that that's his game. I'm pretty sure he just walks around at night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else you wanted to say? Uh, Ricky Simone and and Mario Bautista should be good. I like that one. Fan of weights. I mean, what can go wrong? Uh, f- I mean, Phil Haas, Bruno Fajardo. Phil Haas, Jersey guy. Mm-hmm. North Jersey guy. Definitely knows what Taylor Ham is. Semi to Jemmy, uh, semi to Jedi. Oh, he's on this card. I, I missed yeah. that. Fighting Preston Parsons. Matthew Semmelsberger. So, should be a good one. Mm-hmm. And I should also highlight, and this is going to go against the grain here, because the heavyweights are the least likely men to be split, but I'm going with Andre Lasky and Waldo Cortez Acosta. 
as my most likely contested rounds fight. I feel like we do get a lot of Andre Arlovsky split decisions and split rounds and that kind of thing. So I'm thinking this one ends. I'm hoping you. I hope you manifested a finish in the first five. Look, look, I'm good with that. Like I, I don't need to be right. I just want. <laughs> a fun fight so either i'm right because if it doesn't end in the first five minutes i know it's going 15 um and then we'll probably be talking about a contested round or two but if it ends early then i'll be much happier that we don't have to score or go back on a heavy heavyweight fights good gosh get Mm. that out of here (laughs) all right that does it for this data show thanks to scott for all the work he put in this year but we are back next week with our regular scheduled programming yeah no more no more data for about a year probably nickel and diamond here and there but this was this was the big numbers show if numbers confuse you sorry but thanks for sticking with us <laughs> thanks for listening take care everybody <laughs>